Welcome to the Zero Hour. Guess who this is? This is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. And this is Christine Chapman, your host. With the most. Uh, today, folks, we have a friend of the Zero Hour. His name is Mr. Dan Swift. Dan, say hello. Welcome, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. Oh, wow. Well, I hear uh, I hear something. I hear something. Dan, where are you from? <laughs> Uh, um, so I am English uh, originally, but I have lived in the U.S. now since 2006. Um, but yeah, I was born and raised in the north of England, and uh, my accent's a little screwy because I, after I graduated university, I went to live in Australia for a couple of years. I do wow. hear that. I thought yeah. you were Australian. You hear that? Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, lived there for a couple of years, and I was only 20. Gosh, I was 22, 23 when I was there, so it obviously had a, a big impact on, uh, on my voice and then um, on my accent. And then I moved back to the UK and moved to the big smoke to move to London. So I had to posh my accent up a little bit then to um, work in financial services um, software selling. And then, yeah, like I said, I moved to the US in 2006. Nice. So, so does the accent adjust itself or did you have to make a concerted effort when you went to London to work yeah. to... How, how, did you, how did you refer to it? Like... I had to posh it up. So posh it up, from, yes. Where I'm from in the north of England, I'd be talking like this, I'd be really slow, and I'd be talking to the minute. Holy like this, cow. Okay. And then I went down to London, and I was like, so, yes, um, I would like to speak with your chief compliance officer, please. Uh, That's so interesting. <laughs> Dan, when, when you, when you after being in the United States since 2006, when, when you go back, other than poshing it up, do mm. your do your friends say, Hey, Dan, you sound really American, because anytime someone from England does a U.S. accent, it sounds like they're whining. I'm I'm wondering, (laughs) do we whine? Uh, We don't whine at all. But you know what's funny? When I moved down to London, all my buddies up in the north of England were like, oh, my God, you sound so posh now. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So uh, Dan is a friend uh, who I have known for a decade or so, uh, both personally and professionally. And uh, the one thing that never comes across with Dan that I was astounded by was his height. Dan's like six foot nine. No, actually, he's not. He's like, what are you, six foot five, six foot four? I, I wish I was. I was six, I'm six foot two, and my wife says, no, you're not six foot Okay. Half, so. <laughs> so in England, you must be the tallest man in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh, something like that. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, exactly, because I have, I have traveled abroad, and I am... The giant of men, right? So I, I can imagine you were as well. Um, I'm going to tee you up a little bit, Dan. I'm going to, I'm going to sing some of your praises. So he and I met ten years ago. Uh, Dan is a fantastic human being, right? Yes. Like one of those hard to find, good natured, comes naturally to him. Just a great, great person. Uh, he's also an incredible entrepreneur. Right. He has built businesses. Uh, and Dan, you might give props to the new business, to the to the rebrand later in the show. Uh, he's also a dad. Right. And a pretty dedicated dad. Uh, t- cool. Yeah. All right. Quick story. Uh, so, Dan, I was on LinkedIn this morning and there's the video of you pushing your three kids, one and a half, five and seven in a huge cardboard box around your kitchen with the title of, this is how I unwind from a long day at work. I love that. <laughs> it, was, it was 
so funny. So I got, I got downstairs. I'm, I'm working from home like a lot of people probably listening, right? Yeah. And um, sure. I got downstairs and my son was already pushing my one and a half year old around the kitchen. And, um, and then my daughter got in and then he got in. I was like, why not? Why not? So this went on, you know, literally for about an hour. And my, oh, my wife's like, can we please just have dinner? And I'm like, <laughs> one more loop. Just one more loop and then we'll do it. But the, the smiles on their faces uh, is incredible. And sometimes we, we, we forget for kids, it's like just the little things like time with mm-hmm. time with dad, getting put in a moving box, right? And being pushed around the kitchen. It's beautiful. Yes. Um, Building forts. Yeah, there you go. Right. Got a, got a few of those. Yep. All right. So uh, before we get into it, this is something I, I've, I've been doing. I give props to the spouse. So props to Carla, right? Yes. Who is Dan's wife, who holds down the fort when Dan is out doing what Dan does. So let's jump into Dan's zero hour. But yes. before we do so, Christine, is there, is there anything else you want to you wanna tee up? No, I'm I'm excited for us to share Dan's story um, and to poke and prod at it a little bit because I think there are so many lessons that are universal and transcend age. I know that we've got a, a multi-age listenership, so to speak, and it would be really great to to get to the heart of your zero hour, Dan, so that we can we can help share the wisdom and insights that you've gained over many years of tremendous self-work and um, and a real self-awareness. And uh, what I love just about the story that, that Mark told about watching this video on LinkedIn, which I can't wait to see myself, was I think that children, like as parents, right, children bring us back to joy, especially in those moments and that joy of, of that is so childlike and innocent and unadulterated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wondered, one of my questions was, you know, what are those, you know, those moments for, for you and for Carla over and above, over and above the cardboard box moments? Do yeah. you do, yeah. do you do like family sing-alongs? Do you, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. Those aren't, re- I haven't seen those on LinkedIn yet, but I'm curious now. Family sing-alongs. And now we're going to have to. So not so much sing-alongs, but we do an evening dance party every single evening after we've had dinner. Do so, you um, really? Um, Call Me Maybe was um, uh, the, the one last night, which was fantastic, by the way. And it. normally it's one quick dance before we all got for uh, bars and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's those little micro moments, right, which um, I genuinely believe you add all those little micro moments up and they shape the little human beings that we have as children and yes. so who are going to be as, as grown-ups, right? Yeah. Um, but my zero hour, let, let, let's jump in. My zero hour might be a little unusual, different to perhaps um, some of the folks who have been on the calls be, uh, before. Mine was when I was 12. And you might be thinking, well, how does that affect um, you business from a business perspective or from a professional or just who you are as a human being? So uh, if I could, I'll, I'll jump in and share a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, I had um, a really nice childhood um, up until the age of 12. Um, my dad decided, and, 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 and I was very mad at him for this for a long time, but after years of counseling and after being married for 13, 14 years, um, actually, I understand. He decided to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And people leave um, 
families all the time. It's unfortunate. It's, um, it's, the, it's what happens in life. Um, but I had to grow up very quickly at the age of 12. And um, that 12-month period prior, mm-hmm. I read the Bible front to back when I was 12 years old. Really? Right in my time. So that's kind of, that's a little unusual. You're obviously looking for something um, as a 12-year-old, right? Um, and, um, yeah. So Did so you, did dad, you, re- sorry, did you, yeah, did you read like the King James version of the Bible or was it a child's version of the Bible? Like at age was, 12? It was, the, it was the King James uh, version of the Bible. It was a, a, a tiny little print and my grandfather had given it to me. Um, wow. And I still got it. There's a little, um, a little note in it to me. Um, which would be a whole dear to my office uh, where I am now. And, um, yeah, I read it front to back. Didn't understand a lot of it, obviously. But, <laughs> by the way, if you haven't read it, some great stories, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, but it, it gave me, for whatever reason, as a 12-year-old, some comfort. And I think it was because my, um, my grandfather had passed away um, either the year before the year before. It was around that time. Yeah. Um, so all, all of these kind of things, for whatever reason, gave me that comfort. But, um so yeah, my dad left. Um, we were living in this big, you know, house at the time um, in a an okay neighbourhood, and we had to leave two or three years afterwards to go and live in a very small house in a not so nice neighbourhood. Right. Um, and that obviously def- impacted me significantly now in terms of one of my drivers in life is um, making sure that financially my family is secure. So those days when you wake up in the morning and the last thing you really want to do is work, I put the switch and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go work. I'm going to work damn hard. Yeah. You know, so, um, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a very interesting time. Hey, hey, Dan, if I, if I could comment on, on, on what you said about your dad, because I, that resonates with me, right? And it pro- probably resonates with a lot of young men that it's unfortunate and it's not okay that parents leave, right? That And parents are moms and dads, right? And it definitely shapes who we become, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly has for me, and that's on another show. Um, but the I remember the arguments, right? And I remember how that made me feel. Mm-hmm. And how that affects us as young men and then as dads, right? Mm-hmm. It affects us as dads, I think, in a very positive way, or at least it has yeah. for me and it has for you too, Dan, that our kids don't deserve that kind of heartbreak, right? And they deserve yeah. kind of love and support and, and, and emotion. Um, mm-hmm. So based upon, you know, what I've seen and heard about you and the relationship with your family, you've, you've taken the right steps and, and it's, yeah. and it's not, it's not easy every day. Right. No. But you've, you've got to break cycles at some point. Right. Um, and yes. that's what I've been dedicated to doing now. Um, listen, like, um, something you just said, I think it is okay for, um, families, uh, parents to go their separate ways. As long as you've done a, a lot of work to try and um, make a relationship work, been there too. Um, um, I remember playing. I was a big rugby player all my life, um, and I'd look across um, on a. I'd, God, I'd play Wednesday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday for club and school, 
Um, and I didn't expect my dad to show up after he left on a, on a Wednesday because he would um, be working. But a weekend, you know, I would hope to see him on a lot, kept yeah. looking across, nap, 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 nap. Um, you know, so how's it changed me? I, I'm, I'm there, whatever my kids are doing, um, I'm working my schedule wherever I can around my kids. Yeah. Um, I'm downstairs as soon as I can, 5, 5.30, I'm involved in dinner, bath time, bed. I yeah. love putting my little boy to bed. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and it's shaped who I am. It's, um, but it's also, I, I, it didn't just happen and then look at where we are now. Um, I went through a very interesting um, childhood. <laughs> Let's say I did what there was to do. Um, by the age of 18, did a lot in life, mm-hmm. and then um, went off to university. And then in my mid-20s, I had a bit of a wobble where um, I was very anxious, really anxious, and I was finding myself in meetings and, like, having physical reactions mm-hmm. to the scenarios that I was mm-hmm. in, like oh, getting hot flushes and mm-hmm. shaking yep. and twitchy. And I was like, what is going on? So I went to a, a doctor, just a regular doctor, to explain the situation. And, um, and the doctor, I don't know the, the the, the details around it, but he basically said, have you thought about speaking to a therapist? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm 46. Mm-hmm. Let's say I was 20, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, even now in the UK, um, therapy is taboo, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, I mean, people have talked to therapists 20 years ago in the UK. It's unheard of. But for some reason, I did. And that started my journey in therapy, which I've continued since I moved over to the US. I've been in therapy, and I'm proud to say, for 20 years, and I still am. Mm-hmm. I teach my therapist every single week. Mm-hmm. And it is the best. It is my my time, my yep. hour every week, and it is a blessing. I love it. That that's us. Is, that's awesome, dude. Like more people should be open about mental health awareness, sure. right? And there is, should be no shame in anyone's game. Correct to yeah. seek help. A matter of fact, it's uplifting it's lightning it's someone to talk to yeah. who there, there's no judgment it's your no judgment zone dan you're in business you're being judged yeah. every single day yeah, right? of, yeah. every, of everything you do this is like dude you should probably go to the therapy you know twice a month <laughs> yeah. right yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. have them live in your I, house i seriously i got one i go once a week it's my time it's my hour and, and i often um i hear this rebuttal to, to therapy it's like yeah but why don't you just talk to your wife about it because it's, it's not her job right. right to to counsel me through the shit that i've got a um got yeah. as baggage right yeah. um don't get me wrong she is there in 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 buckets for me um but there's some things that like she doesn't have the professional expertise to, to guide me through different things that come up in life and, and by the way the last 20 years it hasn't been like you know all about dad right yeah. life throws up so much shit yes. that we all have to deal with yes. um and it's just life's hard um so but i genuinely believe that if, if i if i if this hadn't happened if my zero hour hadn't happened um I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now because it allowed me to have that wobble in my mid-twenties. It allowed me to um, get into therapy. It allowed me to get to know myself better than I think most people ever get to know themselves. And it allowed me to have the confidence to um, take the steps in life that I did, which was to, you know, I, I had a house in London and a mortgage. I was earning great money. I was doing, you know, great things at least. And I thought I was happy. And, uh, and, and a, a gentleman called Bill Fellini uh, sat me down at coffee. He was the U.S. Um, 
head of sales for the company I was working at at the time and, and literally looked at me. And he passed away. He was an incredible individual. Um, and, um, yeah, he basically said to me, are you happy? Mm. Huh. And I sat there and I had mm. this overwhelming um, kind of just outpouring. I got quite emotional. I remember it. And I was mm. like, you know what? I'm not. And he said, you need to come to the U.S. Mm. You, you need to be in the U.S. Um, now, obviously, he was selling me on it because I was one of the top sales guys. Right, he wanted, right. and he yeah. wanted you in the U.S. Yeah. But, but I went to the U.S. And talk about leadership. I mean, this is a podcast for another time. But um, he took me under his wing. He didn't just get me out there and expect me to sell. He, he made sure I was set up. Accommodation was good. I remember one Friday, I'd been there a week, and uh, we always used to go to drink for drinks on a Friday after work, and everyone else was getting cabs downtown in Manhattan. He yeah. said, Dan, well, he called me Swifty. Swifty, why don't you and I walk downtown? And we chatted for 45 minutes. We got to know each other. Um, nice. Devastating when he passed away, but he was, he was just leader extraordinaire. Hey, uh, hey, but I, would, I, I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't been for therapy. I wouldn't, therapy, I wouldn't have taken that Dan, is, is that where you get some of your leadership skills from, from this gentleman? Um, mm-hmm. or, or is that natural? Because it, it feels like a combination of the both. So, uh, ha, um, great question. Now, I, <laughs> I know the answer to this. I've been leading therapy for 20 years. Um, um, I am definitely a very compassionate human being um, yes. at my core. Um, because of what I went through at an early age, you... Um, you, you send, I have an overwhelming um, driver to make sure that those around me are good, yes. like yeah. are comfortable, uh, uh, everything's okay. Probably, no, I'd say it's my Achilles heel. It, it's actually my strength, but I think some, sometimes I care too much and sometimes I can't help someone. They just have to help themselves at some point. But um, I care a lot about people. Um, I learned a lot about myself you know, through the 20 years of therapy. Um, I, um, I, when I learn something about myself, I go deep into it and, and, and wow, it can be painful, but you get through all of that and you're like, wow, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, have learned that the best way to live your life is just through kindness because you have no idea. Is that your superpower? Oh shit! Yes, yes, yeah. Ki- yes, kindness and compassion. Yeah, absolutely. And People showing up, that. right? Like yeah, I, I oh think that's God. the other piece for you that, that you show up. Yeah, all the time. And um, people have said to me that over the years that they would literally just run through walls for me because I'm always there for them. And and, and in um, what's fascinating in sales leadership is um, sales leaders, if 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 they took this approach, and you can't just say, right, I'm going to be compassionate from now on. No, um, that's, you got to feel that, right? But if, if if they if there were more folks doing this, people have said continually, there's only ever one version of Dan Swift. So my team um, here at Momentum, they've got no idea whether I had no sleep the night before because I was up with a baby, um, or had a big night out with the guys after a round of golf and feeling a bit worse for wear, um, or you know, my wife and I had a blazing row the night before about something stupid. You know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever. They've got no idea. So when they come to me, there's only one version of me, yeah. which makes them feel safe. And it's all about creating that safe environment, um, which, again, I learned from having been thrown into an unsafe environment at a young age. Yeah. Um, it's all about creating those, those places where people just feel it's okay to ask me anything and there's nothing off the table. And 
I know so much about so many people, which I suspect their spouses probably don't. <laughs> so I, I know that we're, we're sort of looking at time here, but I, I've been kind of quiet, Dan, because I, I think about this story that is your story and this zero hour moment that has literally sort of influenced everything that you have done as a human community member, you know, leader, uh, entrepreneur, parent. Um, and I, I had questions around your single mom. Like one of the things that that you and Mark both talked about was, you know, being that kid who listened to their parents fighting, right? And mm -hmm. and I was there too and I I felt that I felt the impact of that as a kid, but it was kind of like almost a joke when it was happening as a kid because I could sort of lean on all of the Asian stereotypes and parents fighting and and all of that stuff. It wasn't until I got divorced and I was able to debrief with my own kids and imagined, you know, uh, you know, a 10 year old, a nine year old, an 11 year old and and the, you know, the four year old, the five year old, the six year old before I got divorced. I have two kids as well. Um, there was a period of time that was very difficult initially, and it it has often felt um, as I'm sure it is for any divorced parent that, you know, I am raising my kids largely on my own. I I want I would love for you to speak to what you saw being role modeled by your mom who was there thick and thin like through every game uh regardless of the weather um only because I I feel like I need to hear that story personally. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It um, definitely does. And it, 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 it feels um so uh, it's not the same, as, and I, don't, I can't speak on behalf of my two older sisters, um, but it's not the same for a, a guy, to, for my dad not being present in those moments. Um, but my mum did everything she possibly could to show up um, in, um, in lieu of him. And um, so, so, and don't get me wrong, like, my dad showed up to games, but just not every game, which is right. what other kids, you know, you want. And... Um, Saturday was his day to do what he needed to do to decompress. And then Sunday, um, he was back in his home office working. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there weren't that many windows of opportunity to hang with dad, right? Um, right. And my mum, even when he was home, um, had to play that, that role too. Um, so it is a massive, massive undertaking for the single mum to, to, to take that on. Um, so I think my, my call out to, to dads who, and listen, it's not always dads who are leaving, right? Right, let's right. Not, let's not talk about that. But um, whatever the scenario is, and whichever parent is the one that does the leaving, um, it's not, it, 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 you have to own the fact that you decided to have children. So yes. you, it's your responsibility to um, 100%. make make sure that you continually show up and, and not just once they're out of the nest and, you know, they're off to college and stuff. No, this is a lifelong commitment. Um, I still need things from my parents at the ripe old age of 46. You know, like yeah. emotional things. I learned what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. yeah, sometimes, yeah. Christine, what do you, what do you like to say about parents and how we're supposed to mess up our kids 
Oh, what, that's what, so funny. Yeah, I say this often, and I say it. I say it, and my aunt, when she heard it for the first time, laughed. But I, I say, you know, it's our job as parents to screw our kids up just a little bit, <laughs> just enough for them to be forced in their teens or in their early adulthood to go to therapy to do the work, because otherwise, I think th- those kiddos, myself included. Um, might have missed out or might miss out on some really important, like, dig deep, look into yourself. Yes. And and we we did a prep call, Dan, and and you have so many words of wisdom that you shared with us during that prep call around around mental health awareness and you know understanding that we're all parents here as well and and leaders and that we are facing a mental health epidemic not only with our young people but but globally. You know, as we adjust to all of this change and all of the the fear and the imposter syndrome we feel, these these reasons to to sort of have an eye suck monster on our shoulders, like literally uh, whispering into our ears. Like, I would love for you to share some of those wonderful nuggets of wisdom and of insight that you shared as as pieces of advice to people of any age as they navigate life. Yeah, wow, it's a massive one. Um, it's a big responsibility to to, um, to answer that one as well. But yes. I, I, I can tell you what I I do um, every single morning. Every single morning at the age of forty six, as the CEO of a very successful company, right? I still have imposter syndrome. So every single morning, because of my mental health challenges over the year, sadly, the first thing when I wake up and my eyes open is panic. Mm. It's panic, like what is going to go wrong today? Oh my God, it's going to be an awful day. Calls are going to go wrong. And because of the therapy, literally, it's a micro moment. In, within a millisecond, I can switch that to, oh, what, it's going to be awesome today. I can't wait to see these folks. And I don't need to stand in front of a mirror. Some folks you know, need to do that and you know, do affirmation. and or, That's not what I need to do. But I, I can only do that because of the work that I've put in right. uh, and continually put in. So um, that's one. Um, the other one is, I, I really believe this, is that it's your choice how you feel about anything and everything that is thrown at you, right? It's your yes. choice. Yes. So you can, you can play the victim as, as shitty as whatever it is that has been thrown at you is. I ain't no Chris Rock. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. But, but you, you know, genuinely, it's your choice how you feel about it. And, and everyone has shit to deal with. Um, everyone has awful days. Um, but it's your choice how you decide to shirt. So I, I, I've got a thing on my, uh, on my desk. It's a Winston Churchill quote. Attitude is a little thing that make, can make a big difference. Yes, and I live, live by that. Um, because, it's, again, it's your choice how you choose to respond to um, other people's negativity, other people's stress, other people's anxiety, yes. other people's... It's your choice. And, and 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 most of the time, it has nothing to do with yeah. you, right? Exactly. Like, whatever's going on, like, my, my biggest thing with my kids, like, they're often like, did you go to yoga today, Mom? Because you're, you're having, a, <laughs> having a hard day? And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm growing much more accustomed to being able to say, you know what? 
I was I was kind of bitchy or short with you today, kid. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids. And I will often say, I just want you to know it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It's me feeling safe enough to like have a moment and I'm so sorry. Right. And yeah, that sort uh, of yeah. allows for them, hopefully, to not have to deal with that imposter syndrome. There's two things you said there that I have to have to, have to say. As a, as a parent, there is so much power in saying I'm sorry to your kids. Yes. yes. Oh my God, yes. Like, it builds huge. trust. Oh my goodness. The, the number of times where, like literally, I had a, a, a wobble and I reacted in the wrong way and I've caught myself and I'm like, oh. And like, I've got down on my level, on my knee, yeah. like look at the kid in the eye and said, that's not okay. Yeah. And yeah. normally the, the kids are like, that is, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, wow, like in those moments. Now, generationally, our parents maybe, their parents, that didn't happen. No. Um, but boy, does that teach your kids to yes. do that with their siblings and their friends and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then the other thing you said, which I just want to, say as well is that despite everything that I've said and folks might go like um, yeah but he's an anomaly yeah but he's a, yeah, all of that stuff I've heard as well um, mm. it's also okay to have a shit day yes that's, that's okay and I have a shit day where I flip that switch I come up to the office I'm in the mood and I, I just cannot break through for whatever reason and then I don't fight it I will not fight it to try and somehow make that day productive. I'll walk away and step away and say, you know what, this isn't happening for me today. Uh, but now I'm, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I've created this lifestyle and this opportunity for myself to be able to do that. Sadly, um, not everyone can do that because of the roles that they're in and the situations that they're in because they have to still execute the job that they're doing. But again, I had to have that zero hour to put myself in a situation where I, I didn't have to go to therapy, but I did, to get to a point where I took the risks that I've taken and left what a lot of people do to go and start my business, which allows me now to work from home, to be a present father, to be able to be that compassionate leader, to give myself the opportunity to say, you know what, I call myself Swifty, my mum calls me Swifty, Swifty, um, this isn't happening to you today, and that's okay. Swifty. Swifty. You um, are an inspiration. You are. I love it. Yes. Swifty, that was amazing. Like, oh, dude, when I met you 10 years ago, I knew there was someone special about you. It's just, you know, it's like you're such a rare breed. You're such a – I wish more sales leaders, CEOs had your – had 10% of your compassion. Right. And how you prioritize things and how you don't let one thing put you in a bad mood and affect the other. Like, uh, I can go on about that. But, um, Christine, did you want to ask about, uh, and I know we're, we're running over on time, Dan, and I appreciate, I appreciate I'm that. Good. I'm oh, good. You're good. Cool. Um, Christine likes to ask this question with regard to, Advice for young Swifty, right? Yeah. So what advice, now that you're, all right, you're 46, you're 40, 46 or 48? Yep, 46. 46. All right, you're 46. Don't, Sorry. Add, don't Sorry. add years don't, just don't because add, you're I'm older, I'm in a happy Mark. mood right now. Don't Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, what advice does Dan 
give to his younger self. Uh, you know, yeah. like, and up to you to decide how young you are. Maybe you're 12, maybe you're 18, maybe you're in college. But what advice, in hindsight, now that you know what you're all about, do you say to yourself, hey, dude, chill out. It's all going to work out. Or, like, what, what do you say? It's not your fault. Wow. Okay, have you have you watched have you watched Goodwill Hunting? Like we could go on forever, but <laughs> yeah, it's not your fault. Um, I yeah. spent too too long um, believing that the reason Dad had left was some some something to do with me, um, and all of the things that um, decisions that I made um, in my teens to do stuff that I really shouldn't have done um, was. Self-sabotage. It yeah. means, like, I'm not good enough. Um, I literally um, have, like, goosebumps going all the way down to my toes, just <laughs> yeah, so you but, know. Yeah, but it's true. It's that. And, it, and if, if, I'd have, if I'd have known then what I know now and was able to just get in my own ear and say, dude, it's not your fault, um, then that would have relieved so much angst and just stuff. Mm. But, yeah. but, 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 I'm so glad it did happen in a weird way. And I'm so glad I was able to do what I've just described on this podcast because I wouldn't be sat here right now um, doing what I'm doing now with the relationship that I've got with my wife, with my kids, with my friends, with my community, with my customers, with everyone that I know um, if it hadn't happened. And, um, and, and because of the work that I've done, guess what? I have a relationship with my dad, right? We're not super close. Um, but we're close enough. We see him every year. Um, and, um, you know, we've built that up and I've built that up for myself. I've built that up for my kids have a relationship with, with my dad. Um, you know, and it, it, that's a lot of work. So, um, but that was my zero hour. That, that's made me who I am and I love who I am and um, I'm still working on who I am. We love who you are too, Dan. I, you know, there was, there was something you said at the, uh, towards the end of our call, uh, our prep call, which reminded me of the Maya Angelou quote, and I'm going to botch it, but it, it goes something like, do your best until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. And it, we, we talked about mental health and therapy and coming to awarenesses and what we do with our awarenesses, I think. I'm trying to lead you back to that moment, Dan. But but I'd love to to have us close on on reflecting on that because I think that is such a good piece of advice and sort of a, a call out to to all of us, um, and a way in which we can do our best. Yeah, uh, for me, the, the life's short, right? You can we've only got one go at this. It's sure. not. I mean, it's it's, an, it's not a dress rehearsal, but it's not right? I'm 46 years old, right? I, I, God willing, I've got another 30, 35, 40 summers in me, um, right? But that, that's how we've got to look at it. So it's, it's, this is a fleeting opportunity to do something good with it. And um, every minute is precious. So um, I, 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 I believe, I said it earlier, I believe kindness is, is everything. And, um, and, and we've only got one shot at it. So why, why, why wouldn't we if we've got issues, go and get therapy and work through it and get to the root of it as quickly as possible, deal right. with it, and then not let it, you know, permeate into everything that you do. Like, don't let that happen. Go go address it, fix it, and then so you can be better for yourself, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your customers. It's, it's easy for me to say because I've done it, 
Right. But it's damn hard. Yeah. So if anyone's listening to this and you're thinking, maybe I should, give it a go. There's absolutely nothing to lose. The first time I went to therapy, I cried for an hour. I couldn't get my words out. Flood like a baby left. It's the best hour I've had in decades. Dan, you are uh, an inspiration to us all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. This is great. This is better than I anticipated. And yes, Christine, I had two or three goosebump moments as well. Yes. No, this is this uh-huh. is great. Thank you so much for sharing and and for being with us today. And my hope is to at some point in time be able to to meet those little ones and perhaps <laughs> um videotape or be part of dance party some <laughs> night before bath. So yeah. Yeah, it could be Britney Spears that evening. Hey, so I have just invited Mark and myself over to your house before <laughs> bath time. <laughs> um, so you just let us know when and we'll be there to, to join like in on the unadultered fun. Hi. <laughs> Super, done. Right Yay. On. All right, all right, all right. Thank you. Dan, thank you. We appreciate you. Um, this is a zero hour. All right. You know who we are. It's Mark and Christine. Thank you, Dan Swift. Thank you, Dan. And thank thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.